the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two of the Bob France Authority is indeed underway. Thank you so much for joining us nine minutes after 10 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 19th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. After the Red Sea crossing, Moses and the Israelites stop at a place near Mount Sinai named Elam. Desperate for water, they find a unique location with 12 wells and 70 palms. Along the path to the possible real Mount Sinai, There is a match for Elam with many palm trees and, to this day, 12 wells. Saudi locals pointed us to this location and specifically referred to it as Elam. As I mentioned to you prior to the news, um, you will find this absolutely astounding. That is a very short clip from... um, uh, what I w- I'm, uh, what I can only describe, and I'm sure he would agree, as a labor of love. Um, Ryan Morrow, the Shulman Fellow at the Clarion Project, National Security Analyst for that organization, the Director of Nas- of Intelligence for the Clarion Project, Clarion Intelligence Network, rather, um, has been working on this side project for nearly two years. Uh, he has funded it himself, and he has shot everything on location. The project... Finding the Mountain of Moses, the real Mount Sinai. It's not in Egypt. It very well may be in Saudi Arabia. That was a short clip from uh, Ryan Morrow's production. And before we bring him on to discuss this, here's another. The book of Exodus says that Moses built an altar of uncut stone at the foot of Mount Sinai and also set up 12 pillars to symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. Right here at the foot of the mountain, we see this structure that resembles an ancient altar. 
then what we are standing in right now is probably the animal shoots that would lead them to sacrifice at the foot of the mountain. The uh, imagery, the scene, uh, the scenes uh, shot uh, by Ryan and his team are simply mesmerizing. I can only give you the audio portion of it here. You're going to have to find the video on YouTube to truly appreciate it for yourself. To that end, now we bring on Ryan Morrow, Clarion Project National Security Analyst, and as mentioned, uh, documentary filmmaker searching for the real Mount Sinai as well. Ryan, good to have you back, my friend. How are you? I'm doing very well, especially today, because uh, I know how long I've waited to talk about this on air with you, um, because after my first trip, I remember introducing you to the topic, and uh, you were eagerly waiting to see the results, and it's been a long wait, but uh, man, things came together in just such a miraculous way, and and I love seeing how many people are being impacted by the video. Yeah, you uh, you gave me a little two-minute taste of what you were doing um, a while back, many, many, many months ago. I don't know exactly. How long did it, from, from conception to release two days ago, how long did you work on this project? Uh, almost two years, so I'd say like a year, maybe like ten months. Um, and I remember after the first trip, there were three trips. Uh, that's when I told you about it. Um, and so, uh, I know the, it was probably difficult to not talk about it and not talk about it, but, um, so, so thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm still stunned that this is, that this is happening, that we got to Saudi Arabia, despite the heavy security that patrols these sites related to Moses, um, and went in and came back safely, even when things were going wrong. So I'm somewhat speechless myself. Ryan, uh, there's so much I want to talk to you about on this. Um, uh, I want to talk about the evidence. I want to talk about some of the things you found, how you found it, what you heard from the Saudi locals and everything. I've watched this twice just in the last 12 hours because of our conversation today. And and by the way, so have a lot of other people. In a day and a half, you have over 91,000 views right now on YouTube, and we're going to continue to promote the living daylights out of this because it is spectacular. I mean, in, in all ways, the search for history, the search for truth, uh, the absolute mesmerizing scenery uh, as you go on location in Saudi Arabia it's just phenomenal I cannot say enough about it and I say that not to uh, to you know to to just praise you because you're with me but because this is fascinating and people around the world have wondered about this really in the history of history where is Mount Sinai where were the the Ten Commandments given to uh, to Moses and before we get into all of that, I have to ask what I said at the beginning um, in the intro. I said this is probably a labor of love for you. What? How do you define it? What? What made you decide I've got to find this, uh, and I'll and I'll go to whatever expense I have to, to whatever dangers. You're not exactly in safe areas there, oftentimes in Saudi Arabia. What made you want to do this so badly, Ryan? Looking back at my personal life, even before I became spiritual at all. Just when I was a kid, there, there were things happening that led to this moment that I better understand now that I, I don't need to go into detail about um, at this time. Uh, but basically, shortly after I became uh, a Christian, I was probably 11 or 12, and, and studying is just kind of what I do for fun. And I heard about this theory because my mother gave me a book about it and said, uh, hey, check out this book. It's pretty, I think you're going to really like it. Um, and then even after I read it and I had basically memorized the entire book, it, it just kept stirring in my mind, um, even if I didn't fully believe it. Um, and so that just kind of led me on a path to just keep 
reading the book over and over again and studying it more and more and more. Um, but I dreamed about going, even if I didn't fully believe in in the site, I wasn't 100% convinced. Um, and it was never a goal because I thought, oh, there's just no, no, no way. Um, but my interest grew and grew, and then just through a series of just crazy coincidences, it kind of fell into my lap, and I said, my God, I'm going to be – I have an opportunity to go to be one of only a handful of outsiders to ever set foot in the places where Moses might have walked that the Saudis know about, but the outside world doesn't know about. Um, and and so I did it and ended up going three times. Uh, Ryan, let's uh, let's talk about your starting point. Um, you want to go and you want to you want to research the things that you found in this book. You want to see it firsthand. You want to walk in those steps. Uh, you've got to get all kinds of permissions, and then once you get there, you you have to deal, as you point out, with Saudi locals who may or uh, may not approve of you being there for various reasons. The uh, the uh, film, which is only about uh, 25, 26 minutes long, by the way, it's an easy view, and it's on YouTube. Uh, there's been some discussion Ryan and I have had about its availability on YouTube that you may or may not be able to find it by searching on YouTube. Um, I found it. Uh, Ryan has had some other people who can't find it. There may be some shadow banning of it for whatever reason, but I just want to tell everybody, if you go into YouTube and search for Mount Sinai, it should be one of the first two or three results. Uh, if you just go to Google or a search engine and type in the words Mount Sinai or Finding the Mountain, it should be one of the first results there as well because it's called Finding the Mountain of Moses, Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. Um, so I want people to watch that, but uh, Ryan. So, so you 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 have uh, periodically throughout the uh, uh, throughout the video or, or the movie, you have uh, commentary from Saudi locals. You have some people's voices distorted at their requests. I'm certain. How much cooperation did you get when you first got there? Were people eager to talk to you? I know you do mention at one point in the movie uh, that uh, that there were a lot of people eager to talk to Americans. Uh, and and what kind of resistance did you get? Sure. Well, there were some people that were hostile. Like, the police were friendly, but we got kicked out of some areas. Um, you'll see one scene uh, where I was chased out of one area um, by a hostile Bedouin. Um, but they just kind of, it wasn't anything personal. They just keep outsiders away. It's weird for someone to show up. But the majority of Saudis that approached me, especially the youth, I mean, they saw an American, and first they were just wowed because they they've never seen an American before um, in real life. Um, and almost every single one, the first thing they would say was, uh, "Did you know the mountain of Moses is here? Did you did you know that Moses was here?" There were Saudis coming from other parts of Saudi Arabia just to see where Moses walked, and they loved being able to tell an American. And some of them seemed aware that we didn't know about it. Uh, they were aware of the secrecy um, and offered to take me to some of these places. Um, so that was really fascinating. But just so people understand the, the magnitude and, and really the basis of this, um, the problem that we've had is that there's an academic consensus, very strong, that the entire Exodus story is false. That's made up. And that's partially because of the traditionally known Mount Sinai within Egypt uh, has been combed. The entire area has been combed for evidence, and really nothing has been found. And so academics have just discarded the Exodus story, and this is something I struggled with after I became a Christian. It was a, it was a big problem in my faith. And it, it just turns out that if 
only we looked at it, the Bible with fresh eyes and we followed it literally because it, people will just kind of skip over the directions. There are very specific directions in it. And if you follow that, you end up in northwestern Saudi Arabia for the Exodus route from going Egypt into Saudi Arabia, and you follow the directions, and you run into evidence of almost every single event described in the book of Exodus leading up to Mount Sinai. Clearly, Ryan, we're talking to Ryan Morrow. Again, Ryan is the uh, chairman of the Clarion Intelligence Network, uh, national security analyst with Clarion Project. But for now, he is the historian and producer of a movie, a short movie, uh, called Finding the Mountain of Moses, the real Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia, shot on location over three trips to Saudi Arabia. Um, clearly, I think the most uh, important one uh, uh, of the evidence that your 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 trail that you followed would take you on would be to the red sea and the crossing of the red sea this is continues to be something that you know people of faith have discussed and debated and historians who may not necessarily be people of faith say uh you know could or could not have happened the parting of a sea and the crossing on some sort of land uh um um bridge if you will from one side to the to the other uh to evade the egyptian army uh trying to stop the the slaves in their in their uh, in their in their quest, uh, without trying to redo the movie on the radio, because you have a big segment there, can you give us a thumbnail sketch version of what you encountered with that part of your research? Sure, and there's a bunch of stuff that's not even in the video. Um, and if you go to SinaiInArabia.com, SinaiInArabia.com, you'll see a, a bigger breakdown of some of that. There's stuff that we haven't released publicly at all, but basically. Um, if you follow the geography described in the Bible, uh, you can clearly see where God told Moses to turn back, meaning like go off of a, a particular path, leaving out of Egypt, and that path leads to Egypt's Nueva Beach, where they would have been surrounded. There's only one path through the canyons in there, and you could see exactly where Pharaoh's army would have had them trapped. Um, and the Nueva Beach is huge enough that it could fit millions of people, and under the water, going from Egypt's Nueva Beach to northwestern Saudi Arabia is, is a land path. Like, if you parted the waters, you have to have somewhere to walk that isn't muddy, that, that logistically makes sense, things that you wouldn't think of. And right here, there's a very wide land path going under the water, going from that beach into Saudi Arabia. And according to one scientist's excavations, and, and even some studies that we've talked to have, have basically confirmed this, uh, there are these coral anomalies that look like chariot wheels. I'm not saying that the chariots would survive all of this, it's just that the coral, as it grows, wraps around solid objects, and then as it dissolves, it retains that shape. And when you look down there, you see all this weird coral that clearly looks like chariots, broken chariots. It is... Uh... I can't wait to see more on the website that you talk about, though, because you do cover this in somewhat shorter uh, uh, time, I guess, uh, in, in the video, because, again, the, the video is just about 25, 26 minutes long. I'm looking forward to seeing more about that part of the story on the website. Again, uh, Ryan, as Ryan just pointed out, uh, you want to go to SinaiInArabia.com, all one word, Sinai, S-I-N-A-I, 
inarabia.com for more information and evidence of what Ryan found. Ryan, I'm going to go on, uh, put you on hold here because we've got to take a time out and talk about traffic, but I want to come back and talk about more of the evidence that you uncovered, including the split rock, including some of the clips that I played earlier about finding Elam and more. We'll continue with Ryan Moore right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. <clears throat> Of Bethlehem, how still we see the light. It's ten twenty-six. Uh, good news. Uh, Ryan has agreed to stick around uh, after the bottom of the hour news, so that we can talk a little bit more in depth uh, about um, uh, his incredible project, this labor of love, this research and historical documentary that Ryan shot on location over three trips not to Egypt, but to Saudi Arabia to find the real Mount Sinai, the Mountain of Moses. Ryan, of course, is a national security analyst and the Shulman Fellow at the Clarion Project, but now we refer to him as the historian and documentarian and filmmaker of this uh, incredible video. I just was tweeting out, Ryan, uh, during the break there, uh, a link to that page, and I want everybody to go to it. It's Sinai in Arabia. You can find the video on there, and you can find all kinds of other evidence as well about Mount Sinai, Sinai in Saudi Arabia. Ryan, um, you know, the Exodus obviously is one of the most discussed and questioned and in some places debated books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. You know, could Moses really have parted the waters? Could they have survived in the desert for 40 years? Could they have uh, done all of these, you know, things that we have talked about? You know, are there real um, tablets of stone given to Moses on a mountainside? All of this has been questioned. The faithful believe it because that's what faith is, a belief in some Something for which we have no evidence. Those who do not believe need evidence. Is that essentially what you attempted to do here, to bridge the two, to find the evidence for those who are not of faith so that they can join the people who believe it without seeing it? Actually, it, it kind of wasn't. Um, I, I, if I ended up there and I wasn't convinced, I would have been fine. Um, okay. so it wasn't even an evangelical trip. This was something I was just strangely driven by, and the miracle of me getting there and getting home and, and this all happening, in some ways was more amazing to me than even what I saw there um, on a personal level. Um, and, and so it, it wasn't really, I didn't actually come to it with real biased eyes. Um, but even after I've come back from the trips and thought about what I saw more, because it, you, you, go, you come back and you just start reading the Bible and start trying to figure things out, and you know how cynical and analytical I am. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I'm obsessive <laughs> about it. Um, and so um, I start trying to punch holes in my own theories and, and what I'm saying, and as I've gone through that process, I just keep believing in this site more and more. I, I just can't punch holes into it, and as I do it, I notice That's... more things. That's that, what that all scientists do. That, yeah, that's what true scientists and historians do. You know, you have to you have to try to approach it from the other side. What's wrong with my argument? You do find holes in it, and, and if so, then you say, okay, then I can't make this claim. I want to go to excuse me to one of the clips that I played when I brought you in, and that is uh, Elam, Exodus fifteen twenty seven, which is you put on the screen in the in the film. They came to Elam where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. You walked 
into that, you you literally saw the location in Saudi Arabia there. You counted 12 uh, wells or springs of water and, and Lord knows how many palm trees in there. What did that feel like when you read the words, you followed the path, and you walked right into what is described in the Old Testament? <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a word in the English dictionary that describes it, especially because this just shows up. Like, it's so... It's so barren in that area. You're in the, you're really in the middle of nowhere, um, and so you feel like you're in, you're in the Exodus uh, just visually. And you follow the instructions from the Bible, from the Red Sea, um, and in some cases it seems contradictory because it says to get to Elam, you know that they're moving eastward to get to Mount Sinai, um, but then it says they can't by the sea, and you're like, well, how does that make sense? You're, the Bible says they went east, then, and then it makes it sound like they went west. Well, you follow the valley, from where they would have landed from the Red Sea crossing, and that's the shape of the valley. I mean, that's exactly how you would describe it if you were accounting for that story. Um, but yeah, that, that's the main. I mean, twelve wells that obviously they've added concrete over time, um, and the oasis uh, where the palm trees were, which has since populated. So it's not seventy of them; it's many more. Right, um, it is right there. Uh, I agree with you. There's no word I can't imagine. I mean, I'm just looking at it on video, and I'm blown away by the imagery and what I see there. I cannot imagine walking into it as a researcher and seeing it and, and imagining, oh, my goodness, this is exactly as it's described uh, in the Old Testament. You're living the history on that moment. I can't imagine how it must have felt. There are no words. Uh, but, Ryan, we're going to attempt to put more words to it after we check our news here, and I appreciate you sticking on for one extra segment so we can talk more about this. And while we're listening to the news, get on your uh, on your device, computer, phone, tablet, wherever you're on right now, and go to the website, Sinai in Arabia. S-I-N-A-I is Sinai, of course. Sinai in Arabia. The film is there, as well as a whole bunch of other information and evidence. Check it out for yourself, and we'll continue with Ryan Morrow right after this. That's now. Ten thirty-five now. The Bob France Authority continuing on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I want to continue our conversation now in a moment with Ryan Morrow, documentarian and uh, historian who has spent, as well as national security expert and analyst for the Clarion Project, who spent uh, the better part of two years researching and shooting on location imagery and evidence in Saudi Arabia of the real mountain of Moses, Mount Sinai. Here's another short clip from his uh, documentary. Another major event by Mount Sinai is the incident with the golden calf. While Moses is up on Mount Sinai, some of his followers begin worshiping a golden calf. They place it up on a stand and begin worshiping around it, and they set up an altar in front of it. When Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, he destroys the golden calf and sprinkles its remains into the river that comes down from the mountain. Here, in front of the mountain, we have the remains of what may have been that golden calf worship site. Now behind me, in this fenced-in archaeological site that the Saudis are protecting, you see both a stand with many petroglyphs of cows and people worshiping cows, as well as a structure that is slightly lifted that may be the altar in front of the golden calf stand. There's a sign in Arabic and English warning intruders against going into the area. 
Ryan Morrow joins us now once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Ryan, let's talk about that sign. I'm very interested by the protectionary um, measures taken by the Saudi government or military or whomever declaring it's unlawful to trespass in those areas. What are, what are they protecting against? Why have those been declared archaeological areas that are, that are uh, not allowed to be trespassed upon? Well, they haven't really explained why they why they label them as archaeological sites, why they've set up a guard post, why they have police patrolling the area, um, especially in recent months where security has increased sharply. Um, and the, the most you'll get in terms of an explanation is that the Saudis put uh, together a team of archaeologists that uh, tried to rebut this theory, and they did, in my opinion, a very poor job of it. Um, but all the locals know the tradition there. Um, and uh, and understand that this is where the story of the Exodus took place. So this spot uh, that you're referring to, uh, it's located in front of the mountain, so you can see exactly how Moses, as he was coming down from Mount Sinai after talking with God and giving him the Ten Commandments, he would have seen, as he's coming down the mountain, but not at the very top, the golden calf worship going on. And the way that the land is shaped, it would have echoed. So it, it makes sense. And so it's a large pile of rocks that was used uh, for the golden calf stand. Um, and the Bible says uh, that there was an altar in front of the golden calf. And I looked, and it, it appears to be an altar in front of it, uh, which actually wasn't really noticed before I really scrutinized uh, the Bible because it, it, everyone thought that the golden calf stand, where all the petroglyphs of people worshiping cows, they thought that was the golden calf altar. Um, and it didn't make sense with the account, and it bothered me. And then I'm there, and I looked over things again. I'm like, oh, well, there's the altar in front of it. Um, and, and so that's really amazing. Um, and there's also a graveyard nearby uh, because the Bible says that 3,000 of the golden calf worshipers are killed after that incident. So then you've got to bury them somewhere, but you can't bury them in the holy precinct, and you can't bury them where people are camping, according to the story. And you, you go just outside of that camping area, and you've got an ancient pre-Islamic graveyard. Um, I watched that part of it, too, with one question that came to mind as you uh, pointed out the graveyard. Um, has have, have any archaeological digs been allowed there to actually find bones, skeletal remains of uh, the 3,000 that may have been buried there? No, and this part, the Saudis have not really offered explanation beyond just it obviously being a graveyard, um, and they mark it as such, and they have police over there, too. Um, but there, it looks like grave robbers have really done away with mostly everything. So you only have the headstones, uh, and then you can see where people over the years have dug, I guess, looking for treasure. Okay, that 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 makes sense. The reason I wonder, or the reason I ask, is I wonder if um, you know carbon dating can be done on human bones. I mean, I think they can tell how old bones are, you know, with uh, uh, with the new scientific methods. And I was wondering if we could date that right back to the time uh, of of Moses and the Exodus. So that was just another part we of this whole thing. Probably could uh, if yeah, we could if we find some of the bones. Act, that's true. Right, and that's yeah. the thing. They won't let. They won't allow anybody to go in there and dig, though, because as you said, grave robbers throughout you know the the history of uh, of, of the period since then. Uh, it's you know it perhaps may have taken all of the evidence away. Um, Ryan, let me let me ask you this. You said you tried to poke holes in your own theories, or not theories, but your own findings, your own discoveries, because you said you didn't go in there looking to, to, to prove anything. You just wanted to try to find it. This is a search for for historical evidence, uh, not trying to prove a theory, but. 
other people perhaps are going to do that. That's the nature of this sort of thing, particularly people who don't believe the the story of Exodus. They don't believe it ever happened. They don't believe that even maybe that uh, Moses is a, is a historical figure rather than a fictional character written in a fictional uh, account um, uh, called the Old Testament. Uh, so a lot of people are going to come at you and say this is rubbish because of A, B, C, D, and E. Can you talk about any criticisms you've received from the you know, uh, uh, well, I know you've only released it officially about two days ago now, but, uh, even as the project was being conducted and as you were working on this, what kinds of, what kinds of criticism have you faced? Sure. Um, I haven't really gotten any, including from predictable places and people who, who normally don't believe in it, uh, in this theory, uh, because, it, it, well, it's been a short amount of time, um, but I don't think it's ever been put together like this before. I mean, there's some other videos on YouTube that have real dated images and, and video that a lot of people don't find persuasive, and the presentation um, just wouldn't persuade as someone that was that was at all cynical. Um, if you didn't already, if you weren't already like an evangelical, you'd be just very skeptical. Um, so we're waiting for that pushback. But um, I have a friend named Joel Richardson, and, th- and this is really crazy. After I got back from, I think it was my third trip, um, he is an expert in Bible prophecy and, and is real interested in this. And I didn't tell a lot of people that I was going to and from this area. And I come back after my third trip, and then he sends me a message. He's like, you're never going to believe it. I've got access. I've got a way to go into Jebel El Laws, uh, the Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. And I'm like, well, guess where I just came back from? <laughs> and and uh, so he has written a new book. Um, about this uh, that goes through the historical sources and, a, and in a real analytical way to defend against those criticisms, which is so much needed, and I wanted to do it, but I didn't have time. And so from my perspective, that was God working. I mean, we, we would need that real um, analytical defense of all of this in written form, and I just, I just didn't have time. And so Joel was given access at exactly the right time so that we would all be prepared when this comes out. Ryan, when you um, put the website together, SinaiInArabia.com, in the About section, you say this website is a neutral resource that documents various theories about where Mount Sinai may have been located. From Egypt to Jordan to Saudi Arabia, multiple locations have been proposed. We provide an overview of these theories. But you obviously have settled on uh, the Mountain of Moses being in Saudi Arabia as the most likely of these before all of the reasons you outline in the actual movie. Um, uh, or or documentary, however, video, whatever you want to call it. Um, how did you um, approach and dismiss essentially the notions then that Sinai would be in Egypt or that would be in Jordan? Uh, because you provide plenty of evidence as to why you think it's in Saudi Arabia. Do you have contrary evidence that would show the reasons why it's not in the other locations? Sure. In some cases, it just doesn't fit the story. There might not be a big enough plane in front of the mountain. There may not be an access point. Uh, because that's a massive population moving. So if the path to one of the mountains is too narrow, then it doesn't work. Um, and, and there's a million other data points that you can use to assess one of these places. And there isn't a single spot on the Internet where information about all the different candidates is located in a single spot so that you can go and, and learn about all at once. And what I found was is that other people doing research on different candidates, they would know a lot about one mountain or two, uh, but then be very ignorant and not exposed to other candidates. And that's just a major gap in research. It's just the, the lack of aggregation. 
And so I said, all right, I'll set up SinaiInArabia.com as a neutral site. And then within there, the page that will be about the candidate I went to in Saudi Arabia, that part will be more advocacy. But I want to be as fair as possible and include every detail about every candidate possible. And you just, you get, you just don't come to like even 10% of the evidence that you get at this one mountain at any of the other candidates. And in some cases, they'll be like a volcano, which doesn't work because the Israelites were camping there. They can't camp on lava. That's very well said. Ryan Morrow is our guest. Uh, Ryan is uh, uh, the National Security Analyst for the Clarion Project. You know him well. He is now also uh, known as a historian and documentarian. I want to hit one more of these, only because we don't have time to hit them all. I would love to do this all day, because it's fascinating. The historian in me, and that is just means a student of history, is, is, is fascinated by this, and I hope others are as well. Exodus 17.6. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall uh, come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. That takes us to what you have found, and again, the imagery that you shot on location is simply spectacular, of the split rock. Can you tell us more? (laughs) Yeah, this is unbelievable even to me, and I've got to say the video is amazing, but it doesn't do it justice. So Moses hits the rock with his rod, uh, with God's instructions. And one of the things I've noticed at all these sites is everything is bigger and much more, it'll be higher because God wanted the Israelites to see it, obviously, and I just hadn't thought of that. So everything is bigger and higher up. So Moses strikes the rock with his rod and water pours forth as the Israelites are basically ready to kill him because they're, they have no water and they're ready to die. Right. And we come to this spot where there is basically no rainwater ever, and there's this massive rock, probably about 50 feet high, maybe 60, on top of a 100-foot hill with a split down it. And you can see signs of water erosion down the middle, coming down several paths down the mountain, uh, or down the hill, and onto the floor, onto the base below, where the rock is all smooth. And driving there, it's like your car, it's like popcorn. It just like keeps jumping up and down. And all of a sudden, you come to this area where it's all smooth as if there were several streams coming down from the rock. It, it, it's just crazy to look at. I'm looking at it right now as, as we speak and as I listen to you and you, everything you describe. It is. It's elevated much higher. I mean, I, it must have been really hard for Moses. I mean, if this is the way that it was, because I, I, like you, I think probably most people... When they read the story of Exodus and we try to, in our mind's eye, picture what we read in the Bible, we picture everything as being essentially at ground level. You know, there's a rock on the ground and he hits it and, 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 and water pours forth from it right there. If this is a 100-foot high hill and probably a 50-foot high slab uh, or of whatever this is, uh, or whatever kind of a rock that is, I mean, that's a hike for him to get up there and then to strike it with his rod. Um, it would seem implausible, but then again, we are talking about the implausible water flowing forth from a rock in a place where there is no rain hardly ever. Uh, does that give you pause just looking at if I'm a human being and I see you, you know, for, for the purposes of scale in the video, I see you in the foreground and the rock in the background. If you tried to walk that and climb that and get to the top of that in order to strike it, I mean, is it, does it seem like something that a human could do easily or, or extraordinarily difficult? Oh, to walk up there? That's actually to, easy. To walk up to it and up. then also to get up to the, the to the height of what may be a 50-foot rock. Yep, yep, because um, I did it in about 15 minutes, and I'm highly uncoordinated, and I have terrible balance. 
So, um, <laughs> so Moses. But you probably at least had hiking shoes on and not sandals. Uh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but still, fifteen minutes. I mean, you know, so maybe it took Moses an hour. But like, it's it, it's uh, easy to to get up there actually. Okay. Um, and you can actually see where, like, one of the things when I first noticed the rock was, well, if Moses strikes it with his rod and water pours forth, how's Moses not drown? Like, that's how cynical I am. And you'll see that there's a smaller rock in front of the split where Moses could have stood behind, but that wouldn't happen. Like, all these, li- all these little things matter. So, to, to, to help me out with this, Ryan, and I, hate to, I, I don't really mean to get bogged down in the minutiae of it all, um, is it were the 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 evidences of water erosion that goes from that rock down that hill down to the base where the people would be? Did it go in all directions? Did the water flow forth and back behind the rock? Because my thought was, you know, if he's standing behind slash on top of the rock and he strikes it and water bursts forth, that it would have gone just forward toward the uh, the people, the, the the masses of people who needed to drink. But did did it go behind as well? Did those do those signs of erosion, water erosion, go in all directions? Yeah, they, it looks like they came uh, in both directions, but it's certainly more pronounced on the one side. Um, but a lot of rocks, because of seismic activity, falls over it, so it's kind of hard to get a grasp on, uh, you know, whether it's equal water flows on both sides or one was smaller than the other. Um, but it doesn't really matter. And where the lake flowed, um, then you ask yourself, well, then where would the Israelites camp? And there is flat land in, like, the valley over to the side. And you can see signs of human activity that, I mean, I can't date it, so I can't say it's connected to the Israelites, and I didn't include it in the video because of that. Um, But you can see right where, um, if the water flowed, um, the Israelites obviously couldn't camp there, uh, but there's, like, a valley that would protect them, so they were just on the other side. And then the water would come to them, and they could walk up to the lake. Ryan, we're out of time for today. I would love to talk to you on another occasion about this and go even more in depth because I, and maybe even open up the uh, phone lines to see what other people have to ask you about this because it's just simply sure. fascinating. But in wrapping this up today, you went in there with, you know, a, a goal of searching. You didn't have, you, you, you didn't make your conclusion and say, that's it. Now I'm going to go and find evidence to prove my theory that that's Mount Sinai and it's in Saudi Arabia. And now I'm going to look to, to find the evidence to prove my point. Uh, and correct me if I'm mistaken in that, but that's what I gather from this. Rather, you went out there to find the truth and the evidence pointed you a certain way and then you made your decision. Have you, in fact, made your decision? Is it your opinion based on everything that you saw firsthand? that that is the actual Mount Sinai, it is in Saudi Arabia, or are you still open to interpretation on that? Uh, I'm very open to interpretation because I'm not a Bible scholar or an archaeologist or any of that, um, but just based on a really easy analysis of the biblical story and what you see there, I don't think you need to be an expert in, in science or anything like that. You just have to read the story and compare it to what you see, and, and the case is very, very strong. I'm very comfortable and confident in it, um, but if my mind were to change or there were to be contrary evidence, I'd be fine also, because unlike some other authors or even experts, uh, I'm not invested in this in terms of my credibility. Uh, there's no consequence if I change my mind. So I think that gives me somewhat of an advantage in terms of being able to observe these things. Um, and, and so that, that's kind of the conclusion that I've, I've come to based on what I see. And keep in mind, no one's even really brought a shovel to this area. 
So this is all surface level stuff. I can't even imagine what else is there. That's uh, that's a great point too, and I would of course you'll never be able to find out. They've got the most important areas all you know cordoned off and fenced off, and you're told you're not allowed to trespass on those archaeological sites, which of course just brings even more uh, questions uh, about as to what it is that they're protecting. Uh, Ryan, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate it and how proud I am of you and happy I am for you that this two year uh, labor has uh, has brought this forth. I think it's fascinating. I want more people to watch it. You have ninety one thousand views in a day and a half. Uh, I'd say that's viral, and it's going to get even better. Uh, so share this with your friends on social media, everyone. SinaiInArabia.com. SinaiInArabia.com. You can also just search for the video on YouTube, um, uh, Finding the Mountain of Moses. Call, just search for Finding the Mountain of Moses on a search engine or a YouTube search function and track it down one way or the other. Watch it and share it, because I think this is history coming to life. Ryan, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much. That's Ryan Morrow on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 1054. We'll come back out and wrap this one up on the other side. AM 1420, The Answer. We can change the world. Tyson, I don't know about you, but I'm... Well... We are very, very short on time here. As a matter of fact, I don't even really have time to take a phone call as much as I uh, uh, regret to say that. But you, you know what? I'll give 30 seconds to, to AC in Cleveland. AC, I'm really short here, but go ahead. Yes. Well, I just wanted to say, Bob, going along with what you were talking about with Ryan, they have found chariot wheels at the bottom of the Red Sea. Okay? So this thing about you were mentioning, well, did the Red Sea really open up? Uh Yes, it did. That is part of, uh, I don't know if you heard the beginning, that was one of the first questions I asked of Ryan. He mentioned that there are no actual chariot wheels, but coral in the shape of rounded wheels is found, and I guess that's what happens with, uh, um, you know, with the decomposition yeah, right. of, of wood right. in, in, in the sea over time, that the salt water would, uh, would essentially, and the coral would essentially form over the objects, and then while Correct. the objects themselves would dissolve, the coral would remain in those shapes. And yes, he did point that out. So there is a lot of evidence. That's one great example of it. And I'll tell people again, go to SinaiInArabia.com for the rest. Tomorrow's program, Peter Kirsten and I will join us. Looking forward to that conversation, and hopefully you'll join us as well. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Be blessed. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.